<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's great. But uh, yeah, go on. But more of we love, like me and Jeff, we just love the backstories. You know, before you get into your theory, whenever you want to get into your theory, just let me know. But like the backstories, like all the production teams and uh, and the scheduling and. I mean, then you go out and you have cocktails and you have dinner. Like here, I feel like I got 68,000 <clears throat> friends. They don't feel like members. They just feel like friends. And the more and more people I meet from the cast, you guys portray that also. Like we're mostly <clears throat> like friends. Like I, like I seem to know you people. And uh, that's what comes across from us as viewers. Like I said, I'm just a viewer. My uh, page is mostly what they call some fan friendly. We're not into the really hard technology, the real hard science, but we can. You know what I mean? We can discuss from everything, but we're more fan-friendly, and uh, that's how I think the group is a success. So what do you guys think? Any good backstories? Um, well, I, well, one thing I noticed was how hard the uh, production guys work over there, right. the camera guys, the audio guys. I do have a quick, interesting story. Um, so the camera guys, they have to stay perfectly still and silent okay. while, while we're out there walking through the woods, mm -hmm. through the swamps, through the bug infested and whatever else they have out there. And so we're, we're out there shooting a scene in the woods and uh, the cameraman's, you know, he can't move because if he misses something, he's going to be in trouble. Right. And he... We get done and cut and then back to the truck and he points out that he had been stung by five wasps oh, while he was yeah. sitting there <laughs> in the forest. That's so, some dedication. Uh, these guys are fantastic and uh, they deserve some more credit. They, they put them on yeah. an episode. <laughs> yeah. uh, another you? thing I, I wanted to, to stipulate is that this, it's actually an unscripted live show. And, uh, right. Sometimes uh, you see uh, people ask questions about it but literally, the moment you get on the island and you pass uh, uh, the barrier, uh -huh. you are mic'd. You are mic'd up. Uh, there'll always be a, a camera guy uh, near you, and you they basically record everything you do and say as long as you're uh, you know, you're mic'd up. Mm -hmm. So you know whether right. you go to the toilet or have a sandwich or uh, whatever <laughs> you do, <laughs> basically everything <laughs> is uh, is recorded. So I don't know how many thousands of hours of footage uh, they have. It must be a nightmare to to you know to distill that down right. to to like uh, the the few minutes uh, that you see on the show every week. Right. The people uh, that, we've had on, they always say, "John, I don't know what's going to be on." I mean, they just keep on filming and filming and filming. They cut us down, like you guys says. You yeah. got so much research and so much back not backstory, but so much research research to present, and then yeah. they just show maybe four minutes, but it doesn't show like your you know, 10 years of research of trying to get to that point. I mean, it's all, you know, TV and editing and everything, yes, but they yep. all say the same thing. The minute they get out of the cab, the minute they get out of the car, boom, they're wired up. Yeah. 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 And, you yeah. know, you have to do everything uh, six times. So I don't know how many times I've driven, uh, you know, on the, the causeway to the island, uh, drone, drone to the left, drone to the right, <laughs> drone overhead. <laughs> right. Um, and, and indeed, I think my war room, my first war room was something like three hours. And uh, I think they cut it back to five minutes, in which they make me say something I didn't say. Uh, but you know, that's you know, Prometheus needs to make television uh, uh, out of it. Uh, you know, I think we've been treated like royalty, and we still are. 
Right. Uh, That's great. And, uh, That's great. Yeah. Yeah. But um, fantastic. Like when we got some previews, we had yeah. some person that was uh, flying a drone over the island. So we sort of get like a bird's eye view of uh, what was going on. And obviously uh, this year and last year, it was all swamp related. A little bit of the money pit, but this year it seems like it's all swamp related. So, uh, you know, that's going to be going on. And I did post some pictures of it drained again. So everybody is focusing, you know, on the swamp this year because that's what we have in previews. That's what they're showing in their promos and maybe finding something at maybe Samuel Ball's foundation or McGinnis Foundation in between. But Smith's Cove, as far as I know, that's a that's a done deal there. So the swamp is going to be the big thing, and I hope somehow, you guys, that we get some answers finally, you know, after eight years, with all this research combined, you know, like people tell me, well, John, there's tunnels in the swamp. Well, John, there's... Uh, a back door in the swamp. I says, well, when they did seismic testing, you know what that is when they put the two twenty thousand or 8,000 explosion pieces in yeah. the swamp to get the seismic anomalies and everything? <laughs> well, shouldn't have that showed, you know, tunnels, swamps. I mean, it did show that anomaly. It did show that brick uh, paving area. So now they come up with, you know, there might be a connection between uh, C1, between uh uh, lot 15 that they're showing us uh, on a promo, you know, connected to the money pit that, 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 that um, Doug found in Dan B's files. And then I would ask him, well, if you're there for 10 years, and I know the old timers kept their treasure and their secrets close to their chest, guys. I mean, but if you're financially uh, um, into the island now with Dan Blankenship and his office was there for 10 years, I would love to ask Doug this, but I don't know. Uh, why did it take 10 years to go through all them back files to find these things that they're finding in 2020? And, you know, maybe Dan never gave them access. We do have uh, shows that they were down in his office with all those filing cabinets. You know what I mean? If you were invested into the island and paying millions and you're my partner, you have everything that I have is for you to find the final goal. You know, that's my own personal opinion. So I wanted to get like an outside opinion. Like you guys are researchers. Well, all your research is in a file, ca- not a file cabinet anymore. They're on computers. <laughs> if, if, somebody, yeah. Yeah, if somebody financially said, okay, here's, here's some money. We're going to go find this thing. Are you going to hold your files back? Or would you open them up for the bottom line to find the final thing? on X marks the spot. Go ahead, guys. Yeah, I, I want the truth, you know. Right. I want to see what's there. Yeah, uh, of course I, I would open it up, but you know, be, having been on the island yeah. and having seen some of the uh, <laughs> of the archives there, it's, man, there's so much. And this this island just, you know, it, it just eats your time. Um. And there's a lot to do, you know, from from, from a distance. Uh, and you think, you know, it's not that big. There's a, what is it, a crew of 35 people on the island. Uh, you know, how hard yep. can it be? Dig a hole, uh, find the gold, uh, go home. Oh, God. Uh, but in, in, a, in actual fact, uh, you know, and, uh, having been there, I understand very well why 
why why it, circumstances are hard. It's a uh, you know the, for the swamp indeed. You know is a horrible it's a horrible place. Right. Uh, it takes you forever uh, to to walk five meters. Uh, yeah. You know, especially with a camera crew around you, and some right. of the documentation I think they have from. Uh, I uh, haven't seen Dan's archives, but I've seen, uh, for example, uh, the surveyor maps uh, from Fred right. Nolan. Oh, my God. Uh, I was a surveyor, too, and I know that you plot yeah. everything, and those maps are direction to something. So go ahead, Corey. I mean, the, 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 it's, a, it's a stack of, uh, you know, a wallpaper-sized uh, uh, foils that, that, that you need to uh, puzzle together on, on the yeah. floor of a room. Uh, it's just so big. Uh, yep. very hard to, you know to make sense out of it so um, I'm, I'm not surprised uh, not surprised it takes a minute uh, you know b before they uh, get to the good ideas I hear you all right well I'll bring up your shared page and we'll start getting into your theory okay guys sure Sounds good all ready is there any questions uh, um, you would like to to answer specifically John that that the viewers have uh, have compiled or in fact, we didn't get hardly any questions for you. They're just sitting back, uh, sort of listening, and they didn't really have any uh, um, when do we get a chance? Can we have Corjan's illustrations? So they all want to see what you got. <laughs> they want to okay. see what you, you got to show. But as far as I asked them for comments directly for you guys, you know, on your theory or any kind of questions, I have got very few that made any sense. So not even worth asking you guys. Okay. No problem. Oh, well, what we can do, I guess, is um, uh, uh, discuss a, a little uh, symbolism. Uh, yep. yep. And if and I get then, any questions uh, uh, through the uh, Facebook chat, I'll let you know. Yeah, and then uh, slowly move from uh, from my stuff to yours and back to ours. Uh, Chris, is that okay? That sounds good. Okay, but to okay. To, to warm up first, uh, John Alrighty. and everybody who's watching. Uh, so on the screen you see the shepherds of Arcadia. Mm -hmm. This is actually the second version that Poussin painted uh, of this painting. Um, and when I got the question, uh, Corian, can you see? any connection between the works of Poussin and uh, Oak Island. The first thing uh, I thought was this, because, um, you know, as of 1525, Nova Scotia was called Arcadia by uh, Giovanni di Verrazzano. Uh, Verrazzano. Uh, later be that became Arcadia, but uh, originally it was Arcadia. And to me, that sounded like an obvious link. Um, Poussin painted this based on a pentagram. Uh, we know that because x-rays of this picture show lines first and painting second. So he did geometry before he started putting uh, paint uh, uh, to the canvas. Well, Corian, uh, yeah. um, Sue Fisher wants to know what year was this painted? Thank you. Um, this one is, uh, I think, 1637. 37, 38, yeah. Something like that, yeah. Okay, thank you. So just before the half of the 17th century. Already. Um, and this is called the Shepherds of Arcadia. Arcadia being sort of a, an ideal mythical landscape in Greece originally. And there's uh, some shepherds and a woman 
shepherd gathered around the tomb and it's hard to see but on the tomb there's an inscription it says at in arcadia ego uh, which has traditionally be explained as even in arcadia i uh, and there the sentence uh, abruptly ends uh, and it's supposed to tell people uh, to, it's, it's a memento mori uh, remember you're gonna die at some stage so even uh, in Arcadia, in this ideal landscape, death is present, present, you know, in the in the form of, the, of this tomb. Okay. Now we, we know there's a pentagram behind this. We'll, we'll show you an animation uh, in a second. But if you talk about symbolism and finding clues, what, one thing we did is uh, uh, um, let's do a little game. Let's count the number of arms that you see on this painting. The number of hands. The number of arms. How many? Number of arms. One, two, three, four, five. Keep keep counting. One. And I'll tell you a hand. Three, four. Count like an arm. One, two over a shoulder, three, four. One hanging down, five. Six. There's one more actually. There's seven arms. So oh you have the, the shepherd on the left has two. The yeah. kneeled shepherd, the kneeling shepherd has one. Uh, the shepherd in the red dress has two. And then uh, the lady has two arms. One is on the shoulders of the, the guy in the red dress. Oh, I didn't see that one on the shoulder. Sorry about that. Yeah. There's seven arms. So what biblical treasure? Do you know that has seven arms? Okay, members. From the Temple of Solomon. Right? What incredibly well-known biblical treasure <laughs> has seven arms and features on the flag of Israel? Yes. Nobody's got the answer yet. <laughs> Shall we spell it? Go ahead, Corey. It's the menorah. There you go, members. The Jewish menorah has seven arms. Uh, a lot At of people least. may be familiar with the Hanukkah menorah, which has more. But the right. we, have, we have such a little bit of a, a delay, so that's why I waited for a while. By the time we oh, asked we had some great, uh, had some good answers there. Yeah, we have <laughs> a little delay, uh, so we got to put that in account. Thanks, guys. Seven. Cool. There you go, Chris. Yeah, Chris just found a menorah yesterday. There it is. Chris has got it. Chris has got all this time. He's got it. There it is. Don't tell the guys yet. Don't tell nobody. Yeah. Okay. Don't tell Don't tell Marty. No. <laughs> Let him dig a while more. Yep. <laughs> so you know, and and of course that could be a, a coincidence. Um, but if you if you look at Pusan and uh, uh, and the menorah, let, let me show you uh, a little video uh, that shows you how this mm. um, pentagram is not actually in the picture, but it's around the picture. That's not something that we made up, but this uh, uh, was uh, discovered, I think, in the uh, in the eighties uh, when uh, someone from uh, the British uh, BBC asked a professor of the Royal College of Arts in London to investigate this painting. And that's when they found this pentagram. 
All right, I'm going to pop out so the picture gets a little bigger. You guys okay. will still be on. Here we go. Ready? It's running. So you see the pentagram being built up around uh, the picture here. And then what we did on the show is we looked for the center and the pentagram's center is right on the third eye of this woman. And now here's Nicolas Poussin. So this painting was made in, let's say, 1637, 38. It's not exactly known, but around that time. Um, this is a self-portrait from Nicolas Poussin um, from 1650. So that's uh, a good uh, 12, 13 years later. And this looks to, to us, this looked like a guy, you know, who knows something. Poussin's personal motto was tenet confidentium in Latin, keeper of secrets. Um, and if you look at this painting a bit closer, um, at least the way we did, we found another pentagram and some features. Looks a bit like this. Mm -hmm. We think there's a pentagram that connects Poussin's eyes with this black onyx pyramid-shaped ring. And the pentagram also cuts through uh, an eye that's painted into the headdress of this woman. Okay. And we Fair think... We think this woman is the same woman as you see on the Shepherds of Arcadia, and we believe she's Venus. I think he's clearly flaunting that ring as well. Very interesting. He is. Yeah, he's turned his hand a little bit. That might be a Masonic influence. You know, in, Mason, uh, in masonry, um, you, there's this idea of the, the free veils that have to be lifted eh, before you can pass through the door. There's free paintings here blocking the door. He has this Masonic ring um, and this lady with the eye in the in the headdress. The third eye, um, the Bindu point, is the eye that can see stuff beyond normal perception. Okay. In other words, there's something going on here that you can't see. And then there's Chris found another thing that tied um, the pentagram to uh, uh, the slogan of this uh, painting being at in Arcadia Ego in the numerology. So, Chris, if I, I think it's this one, huh? If you know where I'm going. The simple cipher, yeah. So this was used by Francis Bacon and others, uh, a coded system. This was the, the most simple that he, he used. You know, uh, you would just use a number for a letter substitute mm -hmm. a letter for a number a for one b for two and so on but of course you have to remember this is old english alphabet there's only 24 letters in there so but if you were to apply this to the phrase oh sure sorry ego that's in Arcadia ego and you look at the geometry of a pentagram you will see that the most important angles here are 108 degrees 72 and 36. the phrase mm -hmm. itself breaks up perfectly into those angles. Arcadia is 36, et's in ego is 72, et's in Arcadia ego, the whole thing, of course, adds up to 108. Hmm. So not that... only is there a geometrically, geometrically, uh, geometrically, sorry, my English is not uh, really good today, um, a 
pentagram behind the painting, there's also a numerical connection between this phrase et in Arcadia ego and this pentagram. So for us, that's sort of a double confirmation um, that um, uh, this is a real thing and not something, you know, that, uh, that we made up. Then maybe the next, the next step was um, how do you get to, um, to Oak Island with this? Mm, and, the this, this is, and that was my first war room and where I, to be honest, was really struggling. So uh, everything I said was a lot of uh, if and buts. And then when I looked it back on TV, they made me say that I believe the Ark of the Covenant uh, was buried in the swamp. To be uh, very clear, I don't believe that. Okay. Um, what, do you, what do you believe is buried on your X marks the spot in swamp? Watch uh, season eight. I can't <laughs> tell you yet. Um, <laughs> what I did was, um, <laughs> no, we're under a non-disclosure, so I can't tell you. Um, this is um, uh, where I started. On the okay. left, you see the first version of Nicola Poussin's Shepherds of Arcadia. As I said, he painted two versions of it. Um, the middle <laughs> painting is what we just uh, looked at. It's the uh, the later version, and on the right, you have a painting is called Midas washing his feet in the river Pactolus. Uh, Corian, um, I got yeah. another question for you from uh, Scott Carter. How long did it take you to come up with these theories? And my question is of everything and material that was out there, which are research, how did you just come up with these paintings and your theory other than some other material that would have some kind of research with the Templars that would connect to Oak Island. What made you go to the painting direction and start your whole theory on this? Thank you. Uh, good question. Uh, thank you. Uh, the word Arcadia. Just the word Arcadia. Yeah. Nova that Scotia was, was, was called Arcadia. Poussin had one. Uh, this is his most famous work. It's called okay. The Shepherds of Arcadia. So that's where I started. Okay. Thank you, Corey. And as I said, there's two versions on the left and in the middle. And on the right, there's Midas washing his feet in the river Pactol. And now the painting on the utmost left and on the utmost right, they were painted as pendants. They were intended to hang together on the same wall, you know, in the same house. Okay. Um, and now if you see, they both have this figure lying on the right side. That's the river god. And if you watch closely, you can see that he's uh, pouring water into the ground from a jug. Um, he's feeding the underground stream. He's doing something to do with a secret. And uh, my and, and what I told uh, the Oak Island team when I was there in August uh, last year is that I said, if you really want to make a connection mm -hmm. between Busan and Oak Island, then this might be an option because you have Arcadia, um, then you have um, uh, the Midas painting. Uh, if you know the story about King Midas, it's a, a Greek myth. Uh, he, he was a greedy king. Uh, he made a deal with uh, Dionysus, uh, uh, the god, uh, and everything he touched would turn to gold. Um, oh that worked really well for a while until he tried to have breakfast and uh, kiss his daughter. Uh, because they uh, turned to gold too. Um, so it had became a curse. 
okay. and he wanted to get rid of it. So uh, Dionysus told him, go wash yourself in the river. And from that moment on, it was a gold river. And it was actually when I was in the plane flying from uh, Montreal to, uh, to Halifax that I looked on Google Maps and noticed that there is a river next to Oak Island called the Gold River. Okay. Um, I, got a, so, I got another question for you. Jack Campbell, he's one of our great members that calls in and stuff. Is the painting, Corian, in 1637 made because he found out more information? That's why he kept on painting more paintings because of more information. Thank you, Corian. Um, no, he worked. He worked on commission. So he was asked by some uh, by someone. <coughs> sorry, he was asked by someone to make the same theme again. Okay, thank you. But we do believe he uh, he was recording. You know the same the same secret uh, for for a group of people. You know in a better or in a different way. Okay. Uh, something like that. So you know. I had Arcadia plus Gold River. You know, if you would know that, that could put you within three or four miles of Oak Island, and that's it. And that's that's how I got into <laughs> into the war room, and, uh, uh, and that's what I uh, uh, what I told the team. Okay. Um, <clears throat> we also discussed a little bit of history, and uh, you know, the the word Templar has been mentioned uh, a number of times uh, tonight already. Oh God. Uh, so I, I want to give my opinion there. Go ahead. I'm not saying there were Templars on uh, on Oak Island, um, but I do believe it was possible for two reasons. Uh, one is that you know the seafaring route from Scotland uh, to Nova Scotia had been known since the year 1000, and Life Erickson landed in Newfoundland uh, around the year 1000. 1000. Um, the Templars uh, after 1307, you know, who fled to Scotland, mm -hmm. uh, were very close to the Orkneys, where the Vikings made their trips from the Orkneys uh, to Iceland, to Greenland, and then to Nova Scotia. So this was a known sea route. Uh, uh, people almost routinely sailed to Iceland, to Greenland, and on to, uh, to America. Okay. So there's no reason why anyone, you know, wouldn't have done that in 1300, 1400. The second thing, and I'm going to show you something here. Go ahead. This is the Concilia Magnae Britanniae. This is a history work that was created uh, by David Wilkes in the 18th century. In this work, you will find the original records of the Inquisition uh, that interrogated two Scottish Templars in 1308. And one of these guys was William of Middleton. So you see here at the top line, item, Williamus de Middleton, William mm -hmm. of Middleton, member of the Ordinis Militiae Templi, the Templars. And then if you go to the, the four lines at the bottom, you mm -hmm. can read, and I'll, I'll give you a very loose translation. Okay. What it says here is that the minute that the papal bull was issued, and they learned about this uh, in Scotland. His brothers, they threw off their habits and they fled. And this is where it gets interesting, ultramare, across the sea. They mm. fled across the sea. So when the Templars heard uh, that, their brother, uh, that their brothers were uh, uh, persecuted uh, on the mainland, 
um, they they threw off their uh, uh, um, uh, their habits and their their Templar uh, uh, clothes, and they fled across the sea. Now, where could they go? I mean, they couldn't go back to the mainland because uh, uh, you know they were wanted uh, men there. And Correct. then, if you know, if there was a number of them in Scotland fearing for their lives. And you know the the sea route to uh, North America was known. I mean, there's no reason why you know some of them couldn't have jumped on a boat and went there with their family. Um, and I guess recording your presence there in a book or leaving records uh, wouldn't be your uh, your first priority if you try to save your life uh, you yeah. know, by uh, by fleeing to a new territory. Correct. So in terms of plausibility. I don't think it's such a crazy idea that people, scared people, fled to North America in 1308. I think, given the circumstances, it's close to plausible. Right, especially about the, like the what's it called, Rose Ross uh, Templar in New Ross up there. They said oh, there yeah. was an old place uh, up there that they had like a headstone. With a faded Templar cross on it. Um, I forgot yeah. the lady's name. I talked to her a couple of times. And we know they were in New Ross for sure. And a lot of theorists yeah. and a lot of us viewers. No, I, I'm not a researcher. I'm just a regular guy viewing this show on Tuesday nights. So, you know, I believe uh, a Templars did stop at Oak Island. Um, and I believe my own I believe that I think there's not one um, treasure on the island. I believe there might be two or three different places that they might have deposited some treasure. But what you guys put an X on the swamp, does that mean, I don't know if you can say this, but does that mean you don't look at any other areas that could be another treasure from somewhere else it's just you're just focused on the swamp with the x thank you guys i don't think they put all their eggs in one basket i, I think there are several yeah. points of interest around the island right yeah i think so yeah. too yeah i don't think there's one grand depository of everything i think there's several out there thank you I what about you Corian? i agree and the story is bigger than Oak Island. Well, that's what we're finding out after eight years of all this research and everything that's coming about. I mean, the story is getting so huge and it's so worldwide known. It just keeps yeah. on bigger and bigger and bigger. But you know what, guys? It's about time. Okay, we found some surface finds. Let's find some tangible clues to tie something that's tangible to your theory or the other theory or whatever, you know, let's get something that really gives us solid evidence that, hey, these guys were right on. Hey, here's where it could have been. Just, I'm saying, just on your theory. I mean, this is what we found. This is what we didn't find. And then you can close your theory out or say, hey, you know, I told you so. You know, something <laughs> like that. As far as a viewer, we get hit with all these theories from all different theorists. You know, which one do you believe? I, I, I like them all. I mean, they're so proved. I mean, they're not proven that we found something. You know, we only got to go by is the surface finds that uh, 
uh, Gary finds and they try to date it. We got wood that they dated by. So we got some dates. We got dates yeah. to go by. And now we got in Dr. Spooner. I bless Dr. Spooner because with him in the swamp, with his knowledge, oh, my God, here comes the dates. And, you know, once you put all the dates together, if your dates don't match your theory, oh, this is all uh, 1850s. Well, my theory is not 1850. It's a lot earlier. It's a lot later. So when they come up with Dr. Spooner, I said, oh, my God, it's about time. What do you think? He's a fantastic guy. I had the pleasure to have lunch with him. He was on the island uh, when we were there. Oh, you uh, were? Okay. Yeah. No, he's <laughs> he's a fantastic guy, and he's all about the science. Yep. Um, and he, yeah. Um, I, you know, when he came up with these dates of like uh, 1200s, and he was almost embarrassed. You know, how, how am I going to explain this to the uh, scientific community and, uh, you know, ever keep a straight face again? Everybody's going to think I made this up. Yeah. uh but he didn't you know it's uh nope. it's real and it's it's funny because you know um uh, it took me like two or three weeks to 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 compile uh this uh uh Poussin theory because i was under pressure and i heavily leaned on my rennes chateau uh, research okay and uh, the stuff that you're gonna see in season eight you know has been a year of work uh, for chris and myself yep. and uh, uh a lot of uh uh brownie points also for uh, chris dona there who's helped us uh in uh, many possible ways you know chris is uh the fountain of knowledge for uh, for everything uh, celestial by the way he's also uh, a great expert on the uh, new ross uh, i think yes he is. um but yeah, we've, we've tried hmm? go ahead well we've tried meticulously to put everything in its historical context so okay. if there's no historical logic everything everything need to needs to pan out in terms of timing and the people yep. that were involved and the political situation and you know who was fighting who at what stage at what yeah. location uh, um so we and uh, we've really worked uh, uh, worked very hard on that uh, and then you know if if uh, everything starts to uh, to take and uh, to, to pan out and, uh, and and puzzle together well uh, and it, then it gets very interesting what is yeah. um Let's see. What is mind boggling? No, you won't say that. What about uh, what is your opinion? Just your opinion of the uh, we got two foundations. And I'm pretty sure they're going to be going into the Ball Foundation, which they started permit wise and the McGinnis Foundation uh, permit wise. What do you guys think of uh, any kind of information that may come from these two archaeological digs i mean i don't know what they're going to find i think uh laird we found a handle a bone handle of a knife at the mcginnis foundation then he had to get another permit to dig deeper and i know they're going into the ball foundation what are your guys uh opinion on going in that direction to find what i don't know but uh i just want to know your guys opinion on that if you can say thank you but yeah uh... It's very interesting. We we did see some of the excavations going on at those uh, at the McGinnis uh, Foundation. Yeah, uh, the ball theory is very intriguing. Uh, just thinking about where he, where all that income came from. So, right. And uh, did he pick up something and take it with him? But um, I think they need to keep investigating those spots. It'll just add to the story, you know. And um, 
love it if they turned up something. But uh, for me personally, I wasn't too, uh, I wasn't following the, the ball story uh, as much as others had. But um, I was focused on other things. Right. Uh, that doesn't mean it, that it doesn't have any credence to it. So I, I'll right. be watching with great interest. <laughs> yep. See what they dig up there. Yep. So you were interested just as us, as little other things happen besides your theory, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, you take the whole thing all in content. Mm -hmm. Very, very good. Very good. Okay. On your theory here. So what else do we have to show? Anything else, uh, Corian, on the. Uh, or where did I leave off? Did I interrupt you? I don't know. I can't. No, not at all. Um, okay. You know, I think about uh, McGinnis. I think it's McGinnis. The McGinnis house is a house. So if they keep digging, they'll find his uh, kitchen utensils and uh, and the kitchen sink. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, Samuel Ball's house. Uh, I think the story is very intriguing. Uh, like Chris. Um, where you know where did the money come from uh, you know if you follow the money uh, you you find the source yeah so i think okay. they shoot that whether or not they're gonna found something under the foundation of his house i i'm not so sure i, I think there's more interesting places uh, on the island right and when they find um, a little tunnel under his house that a sewer cam couldn't fit in and they call it a tunnel and of course the editors and the producer love the key words tunnel yeah treasure money pit gold yeah. i mean that's yeah. all for tv that's fine i know like you guys and i know they have to make it tv entertainment on one side and then have the seriousness uh, on the other side you know and um it's a difficult so balance yeah a, a balance and i really like the balance i mean a lot of people complain about the commercials and everything but i think the balance like i've been watching every episode for eight years and doing this that I think the balance is just about there. And then, then people would say, well, it's repetitive. It's this, it's that. Well, if you don't like the show and you're not a researcher, or I'm not a researcher, I'm, I'm just interested in the whole system, you know, don't watch it, you know. Exactly. But as far as, what do you guys think of the balance of TV show and what they, what they actually show us that's pertinent? I, I think it's right on. I don't know. What do you guys think? I think they do pretty well, you know, and without the entertainment side of it, you would not have a show. So right. I'm, I'm grateful exactly. for they the make, show. Yeah, right. they make television and they do it uh, given uh, the amount of viewers. Uh, I think they do very well. Yeah, three point, I guess 3.5 million people saw you guys on that Tuesday night. So uh, oh, doing my little show here, it's it's nothing Ridiculous. For you guys. Ridiculous, but, yeah. And then I think that's why, this is my own opinion again. I think that's why they gave all of a sudden Gary Drayton more airtime because he's more entertaining. You know, he finds something, he, he, he says this, he says that. Who else does yeah, it? Quirky. Does Doug? He's, he's quirky, Doug's, yeah. ver, Doug's very factual. You know, um, Jack, I mean, who else does a lot of talking except when they go in the war room and talk or they're in the truck driving to the war room or they're over the causeway? I think as I saw season one to season eight now, I didn't see season eight, but season seven, that they gave Gary a lot more airtime because he's more entertaining. What do you guys think? I think he is the, uh, 
the king of metal detecting and the king of the one-liners. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He is, he's great at his job. Yeah, and, he, and he's an entertaining guy, and he's a great guy. You know, no, he's yeah. a good laugh. He's a good yeah. laugh. He really is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, I, don't, uh, I don't mind seeing more of Gary. <laughs> and then you got the. Uh... Carmen Lake there, the blacksmith that they bring stuff in, and he just comes up with dates from rusty uh, yeah. items out yeah. of nowhere. Oh, we found this out of the swamp. Well, I don't know, maybe 1600 or 1700. Yeah. They bring it to Carmen Lake. Nope. 1410 to 1430, <laughs> they made this. This is the scupper. I mean, how the yeah. heck do you get it? Yeah. That's how much knowledge this guy has. He just sees it. No Google, no Google. Just yeah. seeing materials and saying, here it He's is. No Google guy. Yeah. yeah right. That's yeah. what I, I mean, I, I joke about it to myself, but I call him no Google myself because yeah. he's right there. Yeah, he's, he's, <laughs> he's not from the present. All right. Here's a question from Michelle Cattell. Does the shape of the island appear anywhere in these paintings or is there any other triangulation of locations on the island? The actual shape of the island. Yeah, is that anywhere uh, depicted in any of all these paintings, like in the shadow, in the clouds? Nope. Uh... I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't think uh, Poussin knew what it looked like. I don't think anyone knew what it looked like because uh, they couldn't make a decent map uh, at the time. That's, I'll hold that for the time being. We'll keep I mean, how up. would they know what Oak Island looked like? <laughs> How would, how would they know what Oak Island looked like in 1640? Of course, of course, of, of course they, they roughly knew what it looked like, but you know, not, a, not with the precision to make a perfect outline like, like we can do right. today. Yeah, and then to bring that knowledge back to Europe for someone to, to, to paint, I think that's, that's unlikely. Uh, but they did, bring, was a, they did yeah. have that corn in the, in the chapel. You know, the corn was... Uh, yeah. in the masonry of the chapel so how the heck i mean there's no corn in europe where the heck did they see that do that and know that right well they might have made a sketch of it uh, in a notebook uh but that's you know no idea i mean he had there are some uh, some different uh figures for yeah. example uh, in this painting uh, if you look at the shadow of the kneeling shepherd you can right. clearly see that's uh that's not an arm that's uh, what's the word again, Chris? A sky? A sickle or a scythe. A sickle, yeah. Um, Yo, in the shadow, it looks like a sickle. Yes. Yeah. You're right. I never, oh my God, I'm learning something from you guys every second over here. I thank you. Yeah. And then maybe if, if I'm looking through the questions about the pentagram uh, and, and, and people have, tell, uh, have said, um, hey, how, how and you guys are crazy, you map uh, a painting from the 17th century to an island, you know, how can you do that? Uh, you know, I can, uh, uh, I could put a, a, you know, a, a photo of anyone on that island and then where his nostrils are, uh, you know, there, there I put an X and, uh, you know, then I have a theory. Uh, the point is that um, the pentagram is behind the painting, was there first, and it's a, quite a simple shape to lay out on the ground, you know, suppose you arrive on an island with 30 guys and, uh, and women on a boat and all you have is a stick, you know, this is a feasible thing to do. You can go off the boat, uh, you uh, find a stick, you know, you stick it in the air and another guy, uh, you know, walks uh, 30 paces uh, to the north and, and then you lay it out on the ground. 
um, and, and, and I guess you know that, that's also something you need to take into account. Um, uh, the solution can't be too complex, but that doesn't mean that you can you know make a, a painting on top of it based on that uh, geometry uh, you know that that looks very complex or that that has a lot of uh, shapes and figures and everything. Still, the basic idea is very simple. You have Nolan's cross. Yep. Five bow, five boulders. You only need four boulders to make a cross. Um, so I thought this fifth boulder could be uh, used to position a pentagram on that island. There you go. Ah, yeah. There you go. Just to show a bigger picture, I'll, I'll yep. put your stuff right back on. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I mean. Okay, and then I got this one too. Does it show any, it shows a lot bigger, right, members? Does this show a little bit bigger? You're then a magician, got, John. Oh, my God. I'm trying my best. Yeah, this is not too precise. This is a, a mock-up that uh, the Prometheus uh, animation department uh, okay. made. But it, it sort of gives you the idea. In actual fact, the uh, the short arm of Nolan's cross exactly matches the frame of the painting so this is a better one the short arm let me see here so this is better to explain from the cross and yeah where the where the points are okay go ahead um well i guess that that's that's that was my theory when I got on the island. Chris and I, when we were together, we found the center that we uh, started the, the conversation with. And maybe, Chris, you can share your theory. Uh, we have all the pictures here. It would be interesting. All right, we'll get you on there, Corin. Here we go. Ready? Yeah. Okay. Where is it now? Okay, Chris, you're on. Well, where do we start? Here, huh? We could start there, sure. Uh, you had Peter Munson on a, a while back. Yeah, Peter Peter. Yeah, he's he's fantastic too. Well, he included this plaque in, in part of his theory, uh, and this is the plaque, the funerary plaque from Shakespeare's tomb in Stratford upon Avon, in Holy Trinity Church. Uh, he discovered this pentagram, which you'll see next. Um, mm. If I put up the right picture, there you go. this one, that'll work. And you will see that that pentagram is formed by the word, the letters B-A-C-O-N for Francis Bacon. He had kind of hidden the pentagram within the plaque. And if you look over to the right at the numbers that are on the plaque, 1616, 5323, add those all together and you get 108 which is once again the same value that you get on the Poussin painting oh my and it's also the angle of the pentagram as well I think that was further veri verification of the uh, validity of the pentagram in this mystery so from there I kind of looked off to the right hand side of the plaque to see if there was anything else to find and I found this bacon triangle off to the right. B-A-C-O-N as well. Unbelievable. 
But if you notice, if you connect those letters which are in the midpoint of the lines, you can form a cross with them. And that looked a bit familiar to me. And I took a look at the angle and took a look at the angle of Nolan's cross as well and asked my friend Christona to, could you please overlay these quickly? Because <laughs> I was not okay. near a computer. And he did that. And they lined up very nicely. There it is. And I was wondering, if could this really be possible? Was, was there a depiction of Nolan's cross on Shakespeare's funeral plaque? It started to seem more and more likely. But now if you go back to the plaque, look up to the, the top where the N is. Okay. Uh, Petra pointed this out in his theory. It says Meronem, but if you read it backwards, it's Menorum. Oh, boy. Now, if you start back, if you continue backwards, I, I kept looking. If I went backwards from the N, I could get N-O-R. I assumed that the N was north on a compass. N-O-R for north. A-M-E for America. North America. Mm. Now, A-M-E might seem a bit weird, but uh, if you could look at globes from that time, you'll see that they split the word America in two and place the A-M-E on top right there for North America and the R-I-C-A for the South America. So as someone of the time looking at that, N-O-R-A-M-E, I don't think they would have had any difficulty knowing that they were talking about North America here. Furthermore, if you go down past the A-M-E, you get to T-R-A-M. Now that's the tram, which is the arm of Ursa Major. It's the tram of Arcos. Tram et Arcos. You can read that backwards there. And Arcos is another word for the great bear. The tram would be the handle of the dipper. I think there is, yeah, Arcos is uh, Ursa Major there. If we could go to the, the next slide for the full, there we go. Now, you take these letters, ending at tram, general okay. Socrates, rearrange them a bit, and you get et in Arcos ego. I imagine that this was a play on at the Arcadia Ego from the, the painting, from the Busan painting. And Arcos is uh, also a play on the word Arcadia because Arces was the king of Arcadia at one time yep. in the Greek Arcadia. And Arctos is the great bear mother Callisto of Arcadia as well. There are all these clues pointing to Busan and Arcadia and North America, not Greece. Right. And the depiction of Nolan's cross. I put all those together and that's where I started formulating my theory that Busan was involved in this, as was Nolan's cross and the pentagram and the menorah. Unbelievable how you guys go through this and figure all this out. It just boggles 
it boggles my mind how you guys do this. It gets even better uh, if you remember the um, the simple cipher. Yeah. There's also uh, some numerology going on here, huh? Mm -hmm. Right. Sorry, skipped over that. If you look at the word menorum, split that in two and add the numerology to it, the cipher, meno and ram. The top will give you 44, ram will give you 30. 44 degrees, 30 minutes is the northern latitude of Oak Island. Unbelievable. And then you get to the point, you know, all of these things, you know, can be coincidence. Um, but if you add everything up, then, uh, you know, perhaps, perhaps there's, uh, perhaps there's something there. Mm -hmm. So one thing that keeps coming back is uh, menorah, uh, right. you know, both uh, in Pusan and in this, uh, this Shakespeare plaque. Um, it's all about uh, the same time. Right. Um, how do you get to Oak Island? Well, <laughs> look at the latitude. Latitude was known since I think the year 30 AD. So that, that uh, longitude took a, a lot longer, but uh, latitude was, uh, uh, was known uh, by uh, people sailing the oceans for a very long time. Right. Uh, it's like, and uh, would be a... There's so many points that you guys are pointing out. It's just not one or two. It's a combination of a whole bunch of stuff. Oh, we can go on for yeah. for the entire evening. Yeah. yeah, and just all this stuff, just, okay, a couple of things. Okay, this doesn't make too much sense, but it does. But there's just too much stuff not to have this theory of yours uh, originate to show them, here's the X, here's where we think it is in the swamp. There's just too many things pointing there. Yeah, and, and there's, there's a lot of, if you have... Uh... Chris is more fluent in this than I am, but I think this is the uh, coat of arms of uh, Francis Bacon. A double pentagram. Double pentagram. So everywhere we looked, you know, pentagram uh, kept uh, uh, popping up and uh, seemed to, to be a central theme. Right. And also, I'm going to throw this out there. I don't know if you can speak on it or not. You know me. Well, you don't know me. I'm talking if Jeff was here. If, if they're looking for manuscripts, um, you do any researches of how they would, or their process? I know they did them in mercury, they put them in clay. I mean, anything through your research, I mean, how do you put a document through mercury? Then what do you do? Dry it out and then put it in clay? I mean, how did they preserve things that obviously he knew that was a wetland if he was going to bury something there in the swamp. I'm not saying it's in the swamp. I don't know if it's a what spot when he put it in. But um, through all your research um, about preserving um, manuscripts, if that's part of a treasure, that could be. It could be gold. It could be coins. It could be paper. I don't have no idea about the preservation of historic documents that you're going to put away that you know are valuable. I mean, at the time, it had to be valuable see if this makes any sense i don't know i'm just a viewer when you're burying something say in the 1400s it has to be valuable maybe two or three hundred years before the 1400s i mean it's gotta it's gotta it's gotta step up to some value before i bury a treasure that i think is valuable 
It doesn't make any sense. Am I making any sense? Chris, am I ma- am I making any sense? Yes, I, I agree. You know, to have something yeah. valuable, it's got to build up its value. You just can't write something or have something, and all of a sudden, okay, I think it's worth a lot of money. Let's go bury it. Uh, it, it unless it contains information that is very valuable and has been, or information valuable. right on something somewhere, right, right. It can't not. I'm not talking a value amount. Mm-hmm. I mean information. I mean, you got information on some kind of king or whatever that can change things, and you know, make you know not to start a war or nothing, but if it, if it's some kind of serious um, information that was passed down to you through your family or the Templars or your whatever you're going through here, that is valuable. I understand you there. Thank you, Chris, for clearing mm-hmm. that up. Yeah, I, yeah, could be parchments there, you know, preserved as in Mercury, as they say. Um, but uh, if the Shakespeare works are coded and if they are hiding a secret, um, and you wanted to save that, I, I would, you know, you might do something like a copper scroll or uh, carve it in stone and then bury it. Um, so they yeah. did do uh, works in copper? Well, if you look at the, uh, yeah, the old texts that were found in, in, in Qumran uh, and the Dead Sea Scrolls, they found among them were, was a, a copper scroll. Which, yeah, uh, stuff they really wanted to preserve in writing, they put in copper. All right, like I say, my, I, I don't go that far deep in my research, so you guys are going to have to bring me up to speed on the older stuff because, you know, I don't go that far back to know yeah. what I'm talking about, so I don't really don't mention it. <laughs> I'm just saying if, if you wanted to preserve it. Yeah, in stone, right. obviously, yeah. I, I would. But also, you know, to, to bring something to North America, you know, perilous journey uh, across right. the ocean. Um that you would have to have a, a pretty good motive that would have to fit, you know, in the time, in the circumstances, again, you know, in the political circumstances, in the uh, military circumstances. Uh, um, so, you know, in, in the last year, we've been uh, thinking a lot about the why and the how. Yeah. I think we uh, we pretty much uh, pieced it together. Uh, you know, can't share anything there. But right, one I thing agree. that we can show you is... Um, something that they put in the uh in the trailer okay. for season eight this has been on television so this is one thing we can show you yep you uh, saw that. it gives yep. you a gives you a little teaser of uh of what's to come in season eight yeah and what it points to and also what you need to take into account here people say uh you know do you think the the ark of the covenant uh, is buried in the swamp I have no idea. What I do know is that you know it would be very hard to push it through the money pit because it's such a big thing. Mm-hmm. If you if you the Jewish menorah, for example, was one meter sixty tall. That's as tall as my daughter. I don't. What is that in feet and inches, uh, Chris? Do you know? Uh, a little over five and a half feet, I believe. Yeah. So that it's it's actually it's a huge thing and about a meter. So it's about this wide oh, yeah. and this high. Right. And solid gold, gold yeah. 50, uh, 50 kilos. So was that over a hundred pounds? Uh, uh, Ark of the Covenant, uh, uh, you know, uh, something similar and a lot heavier. And, you know, these these weren't. If it's about these objects, you know, these these weren't right. easy objects to, uh, uh, you know, to to uh, to shove about and, uh, and and put in a hole, especially okay. not uh, you know a uh, hundred meters under the ground. All right, I asked uh, Gretchen this question, and I'm going to ask you two guys these question mm-hmm. uh, on the John Stummer way. Um, if I knew I had these relics, these religious relics in Jerusalem, 
and I knew that I was going to get raided. Wasn't I not, like I told her, by the time they got there, I mean, they're marching over the desert, they're taking boats. I mean, it's not something they surprise you and drop out of airplanes. (laughs) So if I had the Ark of the Covenant, the menorah, the cup, would I not say to my master craftsman, listen, let's make some duplicates of our most famous treasure because we're going to be raided on and that's where they're going to go. Let's put these fake uh, duplicates in our treasure vault and hide our hide the real stuff somewhere in the mountains or something. So when we want to start up a, a, a new uh, Jerusalem, we go there at the safe time and start up. What do you think of that idea? Am I out of my mind? Makes perfect sense. No, it makes perfect sense. Only for the menorah, they didn't have to do that because uh, they had multiple copies. Multiple yeah, there copies. Wasn't one... There wasn't one menorah. You know, people always talk about the menorah. But if you read the Bible, the book of Kings tells you that uh, um, King David had 10 copies made. So there wasn't there was an active duty menorah that was in the Holy of Holiest. Right. That's, uh, lighting okay. the Ark of the Covenant. But there was uh, nine or 10 others that uh, lit the rest of the temple. And they swapped them around when they had to clean the lamps, uh, uh, oh. etc. So there wasn't like one menorah. There was many of them. So there was copies of the menorah, but you don't know of any copies of anything of the others. Well, they weren't menorahs. They they weren't copies. They were actual temple menorahs. I mean, I, yeah, that's what I'm yeah. saying. <clears throat> yeah. So you're saying there's 10 of those and the rest is only a solo. The rest are just singles, as you know. Yeah, the Ark of the Covenant, there was only one. Uh, okay. Menorahs, there were, there were 11. There, there were 10 yeah, out in the outer hallway, but one in the Holy of Holies. Exactly. Yeah. And what you're describing uh, is, if you do a little research on the Royal Arch Masonry, uh, I think you'll find a story very similar to what you just described, John, about discovering uh, these treasures. Okay. Very good. Wow. Lots of information here tonight. Very good, very good. We're going to see if uh, anybody wants to call in. We're going to try to do a couple of call-ins to see if anybody wants to and uh, to actually talk to you one-on-one. And I'm going to put it up now, even though I got Jeff's name in it. You're a brave man. <laughs> it should say uh, Corian and... Uh, Christopher, but the minute I try to do something, guys, I screw something up, so I just leave it alone. <laughs> I think you're doing perfectly. Thank you, guys. Okay, members, here's a chance. Where in the world are you going to get a chance to actually speak with guys from the show? Six days before the live premiere, here's your chance. I don't want no typing. I don't want no chat typing. I want you to call in and actually speak to these guys. Like in the old-fashioned days, I used to use a telephone. I still do. No texting. Let's talk to these guys. Is anybody out there? I know we got a little delay, so we'll see. But uh, 
There was golden lions in the temple too. Golden lions. Yeah. As you know, I didn't read up any on that, so I have no idea. Someone's asking here, did we have a tour of the island? So we could uh, see the, the places from our theory. Answer is yes. Oh, yeah. uh, on the first day, uh, uh, Charles uh, drove me around the island. Uh, uh, it was very interesting. Uh, I went to all the places. And then uh, I think uh, um, the day after we went together, uh, Chris, with Doug, yeah, driving the quarter. What a quarter mean. Quarter. <laughs> yeah. And also the first day, uh, Rick and Marty uh, took me uh, around the island, which is quite an operation because you need a, a sound guy uh, in the in the boot of the car, so there'll be some uh, someone lying behind you and someone uh, lying at your feet. We got a call coming in, guys. We got a call coming in. It's not rehearsed, huh? This no. <laughs> Okay, call coming in. Come on. Oh, I might have to try again. Almost. We almost had somebody, guys. Then I have to unplug my headphone because uh, you'll be able to hear them, but they won't be able to hear you, so I have to unhook my earpiece. They'll call back. Someone is asking, Arcadia is a big area. Why choose Oak Island? There's one thing uh, that I noticed on uh, one of the old maps. I think it's from uh, uh, the early 1800s, uh, um, and it's made by uh, a certain captain, uh, Montresor, which uh, means uh, my treasure, which I think is an apt name uh, for something making a map of the Oak Island area. And he noticed that um, if you approach uh, the coast from the sea, you have a feature that I'm, I'm probably killing a... Uh, the translation or the the pronunciation here, but there's uh, an area that's called Aspetogan Hills that are incredibly well. Uh, they're, they're, there's a group of white hills that you can see from the sea from miles away. Maybe that would be why. Okay, uh, Deacon. Corian. Uh, Christopher, we got a call coming in. Go ahead. Who's the caller, please? Uh, Jack Campbell. How are you doing, Jack? Hey, Jack. Thanks for calling. We got Jack. Two or three questions for him, if they don't mind. We know, I know from looking up that Cousin was born in France, but lived most of his life in Rome, if I remember, if I remember correctly. Were yep. the paintings made in Rome or were they made in France? They were made in Rome. They were made in Rome. Okay. Also, on the Arcadia painting. The hands are the hands are in two different positions on the paintings. If I it looks like now I don't have a real good picture of it. Is that the case? That it be anything or what? It seems to be pointing at two different things. Are you talking about the center hands on the tomb? Yes. Yeah, good question. Pointing at two different uh, letters actually in the phrase. Yeah, it's the R, right? The RC. A lot of people think that's for the Rosicrucian. Yeah, they, they point at RC. Mm -hmm. Yeah, could have a meaning there, I, I would assume. Yeah, <laughs> that seems to be the center point there. Yeah, and uh, about uh, him painting in Rome, uh, Jack, he actually uh, made these on commission for uh, 
uh, Rospiosi, who was the future Pope Clement IX. So these actually hung in the Vatican. And yeah, you also have to imagine yeah. that 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 these paintings were never made for a public display. So they these were never meant to go into the Louvre and then you know be be viewed by uh, ten thousand people uh, every day. Right. These were works that made these were made uh, on a private commission, uh, yeah, for someone to have privately in his collection. Uh, you know, maybe to to show off uh, that that he or or her knew something uh, that you didn't, or that the initiate uh, could recognize uh, if he saw this. These were private works, hmm. and the, and and people knew that these were important for a long time. I think the best example is that uh, uh, Louis the Fourteenth, the Sun King, uh, and the the great King of France. Um, actually acquired this painting in 1685 and put it in his personal bedroom. Very, very good. Okay. And the last question I have, when they came over here with their treasure, be it the menorahs or anything else like that, do you think that they made the swap? Because they would have to have somewhere to bury it. So. Uh, I think we've got some dates from the swamp that uh, that Dr. Spooner the date was twelve twenty, if I remember correctly. Right, it was twelve twenty. Dr. Spooner said, "Right, Jack." Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you um, follow what Spooner says, then the swamp was created thirteenth uh, century, yep. which would support a depositor theory in that. Uh, in that time frame. Yep. Okay, well, gentlemen, thank you very much, John. Have a good night. Linda, same to you. Give my regards to Jeff. I will. Thank you so much, Jack, for calling in. Thanks a lot. Okay, thank you. Thanks. Nice talking to you. Um, we got a question from Jennifer Brand. I wonder if all these theories that involve Europe originated with a older story and is being repeated through art. So not um, to lose it, but not to be public. That's a good question. I like that question. Yeah, so do I. I, I think that's a very old tradition uh, in terms of esoteric knowledge being transmitted uh, through art, through writings, through poetry and stories and plays to preserve it. Uh, I think that's very likely, yes. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Uh, I, I think we are looking at a very old story um, that has, you know, evolved yeah. through history um, and that sort of surfaced uh, into the public eye around, you know, at the end of the 16th, uh, early 17th century, when, you know, perhaps the Rosicrucians, the likes of uh, Francis Bacon uh, or uh, Poussin started to record it for people in the inner circle. Uh, right. And I th and I think we're all uh, talking about the same thing. I think you, uh, it's, it's, um, 
you can see the 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 overlap uh, between theories uh, that you hear, for example, uh, by James McQuiston, uh, Peter Amundsen, and the stuff that uh, uh, Chris Dona uh, uh, and Chris and myself uh, uh, are developing. I think we're all looking at the same thing from different angles. Exactly. Yep, I think it's all going to head into one direction. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. And then by now, as you guys as researchers and everybody else that has researched the island, like they say when they do the swamp, they must have drained the swamp that I know of about five times. They must have used sonar, uh, every kind of sonar, ground-penetrated radar, and everything to compile so much information that obviously that's why now what permits they're digging. Okay, let's find it. Here's, here's what these guys say the X is. Let's go for it. Here's what this theory says. Uh, that lady in Scotland, I forgot her name, that said there's a treasure from the Templars on the east side of the swamp when they went to when those guys went to Scotland and she came to Oak Island. And um, so now they got all these points of interest and now is the time to to dig. And my big thing is, are they digging deeper? Are they digging too shallow? You know, there's a lot of questions that I have. Well, how deep is deep? I mean, I know deep is deep is when you <laughs> when you hit granite or something. But I'm not sure. You know, you drain a swamp, you got the muck, you got all that out. Well, you might not be deeper like these stone platforms that was found last year. That stone platform. Mm -hmm. And they also found another stone platform on the other side of the swamp, on the lower right-hand side of the swamp. Now, why do you have stone platforms in a main man island if not to all unload things? Or they said, well, it was a mine. It was a blue clay mine. I don't, I, I, I don't know if I go with that, but that's my own personal opinion. They mined blue clay because there's a lot of blue clay when they dug in that one hole. Yeah, good point. Yeah, can't argue. Yeah. How would you ship now with no causeway? If you're gonna if you're gonna mine blue clay like uh, Doctor Spooner and that other archaeologist that came, not Laird, they just said, "Well, this is a this was a mine for blue clay." You have no causeway. You have to do everything by boats. If anything, I wanted a haul. The least I'd want to haul is heavy, heavy blue clay. You know how heavy that stuff is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but you, you know you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm trying to yeah. figure out why. No, I'm just concentrating on the swamp here. Okay, they got these platforms, and it was okay because they had to unload something or when a ship got in there, when it wasn't connected, obviously we had no road in the front. They drove the ship in there or a, small, a smaller uh, ship to offload something from the main ship. Because if it was not a swamp, obviously that was part of the ocean going by there. Correct, guys? You know what I mean? And, yeah. why, would, and why would you make a, a, a platform out of stones? Yeah, good question. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, good question. You know, the only thing I can say, and, uh, uh, and you know, then I, I can bring up uh, this picture again that was in the... Uh, oh, let me... Uh, uh, I in the trailer. You. Oh, sorry. We lost, lost the pictures there. I lost you. Okay, you're back. I got you. Yeah. 
So uh, what you've seen in the trailer for season eight is that yeah. uh, th this place, this uh, three mile tall menorah is actually aligned in the east with the Temple Mount in Jerusalem and in the west with Nolan's Cross. So if you follow this line to the west, you land bang on on the spine of Nolan's Cross. Um, so, you know, the, 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 that sort of starts to kill, you know, the, 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 uh, the, the coincidentality uh, here. Um, Right, it hits the tip of the cross, correct? It does. Because it, 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 it does. showed it showed that also. Yeah. And that's yes. where we were going quite crazy when that happened in the promo. I said, Oh my god, no, it goes from uh, the Temple Mount all the way across and right to the tip top of Nolan's cross. Yeah. How, how these and people how do these people figure that out? How do, how how do you figure that out? Just go by the stars. Okay, here's this line. It's going over here. It hits that top rock in Nolan's Cross. How do they figure? How do you get that precise location and precise measurement to hit the top of Nolan's Cross? Um, yeah, we'll uh, have to save our answer for season eight. Uh, oh. I think. Oh, sorry. We got <laughs> no. That's fine. That's fine. But uh, yeah, we got uh, we got another call coming in, guys. Love your ringtone. <laughs> Hello, who's this? Hi, this is Judy Forsyth. Judy, my this new monitor. Thank you so much for calling. We are welcome. I'm a little nervous, but I'll do this. <laughs> I was wondering no if the guys um, think that um, Solomon's treasure is meant to be found, and if so, does it have anything to do with what's happening in the world today? Wow. That's what a, a deep one. That's a deep one. Yeah. A, wow. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. You're welcome. Hmm. You want to go, Chris? Uh, yeah, I I don't want to talk present day politics, I suppose, but um, as far as the path is concerned, right? Um, where these treasures meant to be found, yeah, I I believe they're brought over here to start a new temple, yeah, Jerusalem, yeah, yeah. and you. You cannot have a temple without the temple light, which is the menorah. And uh, that was the stated purpose of uh, quite a few people that were over here in the new world. And so the bringing over of these artifacts, I think, fits in perfectly with that idea that you're going to start the new temple here. Yeah. And, uh, these artifacts are, are needed for the Holy of Holies of the new temple. Right. Suppose, suppose, huh? suppose, suppose the menorah or a menorah was taken to North America, then at least it was uh, intended to be preserved. Yeah. I'm not sure it was meant to be found, but it was definitely meant to be retrieved. Right. And we've been looking for a back door for eight years. You know, why would you bury something? I mean, this is in the money pit now. I'm just talking off my head here. 
-hmm. Why would you bury something 200 feet deep? You know, um, because your uh, first place wasn't good enough. You know, it's like, oh, my, is that something that would be retrievable to come back and get? And if they did come back and get it, would you rebury everything before you left? No, I would just leave an open pit, take the thing, get out and go. So I still think there's something there, in my own opinion, something. I like the way you think. Yep. What do you think, do you Judy? think when it is found that it will cause a lot of turmoil uh, in the world? Well, we don't want to speak about uh, um, factors that would do something in the world. Uh, obviously, uh, even I would know if something, say, of the uh, religious artifacts, there will be problems. Let's put it that way. Um, okay. That's, you know, there will be problems. I was wondering what the guy thought. Yeah. I thank you so much, Judy. Okay. Well, thank you, guys. Yeah. Okay. Nice to talk. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah bye -bye. Problematic scenarios. But Thanks. But yeah. And I yeah. don't want to think about that too much. You know, just uh, interested in, in the history and uh, what went down. Yeah. We uh, had Vanessa um, on the phone, Lucido on the phone. We had her video. And we asked her, or Jeff asked her, well, of course, Laird hates that grabber. He's an archaeologist, you know, with the dustpan and, you know, going, going, going every inch and, yeah. you know, and now he, he, he hates that grabber with a passion, you know, and, and even Scott Barlow said, well, we got the grabber hanging over uh, Sam Ball's uh, property and Laird was laughing. I says, oh, you guys are real good jokesters because he hates the grabber. So, yeah, um, so Vanessa, we asked her, well, what happens if that grabber goes down and obviously you pull something up of value? Half and a menorah. Goes, yeah. And she goes, John, after we, after we get done crying for about two, <laughs> two hours, you know, in security area, but you know, I like them. I think out of the box sometimes and sometimes too much. You know, suppose you looked at the grab, oh, it's wood, it's wood, and all of a sudden, boom. I mean, how would you, I'd like to get, uh, how would you react? You got to be sort of setting yourself up for something, even if the swamp, they go there and they find something, and I don't know, uh, you know, with the with the great all or whatever the heck they're doing to, to grab it out of there, you have to be set up. If that did happen, what do you think, guys? I mean, don't you have to tell your people, well, if you do find something, obviously we got a security area. Obviously, we have to uh, get an archaeologist in there, and you got to tell the ministry and everything else, and then yeah. proceed. Then proceed easy. Yeah. So, and I think also they're going to be doing the big dig also because there was a big pile of dirt on the east side of the money pit that's now flat. So I think for sure. Not for sure. My own opinion that they left C1 in there that was always uh, there at a stable, permanent position. All the rest of the cans are just tops that they put in the areas. When the tourists come, they just put the tops of the cans where they drilled. So, um, and obviously in this last uh, promo, they showed uh, Mike Huntley going down C1 and saying, hey, that looks like gold, you know? <laughs> 
And the minute they start talking about gold and treasure and all that stuff, our ears go bing right up. Yeah, drop everything so, else. I think uh, even not only your theory in the swamp, I think they are going to do a big dig to finally get answers and eliminate one section at a time at the island. What do you think, guys, if you can say? Yeah, I mean, if you were to go at it with a spoon and a dustpan, like you said, uh, and tweezers, (laughs) how I can't imagine how long that would take to get down to those levels. Um, But yes, on the other hand, you got to be very careful bringing up a lot of wood and will the next piece be acacia wood? Yeah. Old. Right. Yeah. So I, I, I like to think, and I believe that they are looking into the earth as much as possible with the modern technology. Right. Or they send something, you know, the grabber down there or anything. So they do, they do their homework. They do. Do all the precautions they can. Uh, They don't want to destroy anything either. Right. I think that even the has, yeah, I think in the beginning, maybe they were looking for a chest of gold coins. Yeah. But over time, I think it's with all the theories pouring in, maybe it's dawned on uh, everybody that there may be something really quite valuable, really quite special down there. And yeah, we need to take a little bit of care. And uh, I think uh, everyone keeps that in mind. Right. And you get a lot of questions about, you know, well, if they did it down 200 feet, how the heck did they do it without being noticed on the island? You know, you don't do that with three guys, you know, and nobody sees anything on that such of a big project. And why is it so deep? I always get that. And also, well, there has to be a, a back door someplace through the swamp is connected to the money, but that's connected to the C1. Well, who did all this digging? You know, how did they do it? Those are the questions that we'd love to answer, but time will tell, time will tell. Well, I asked uh, Marty when I was on the island uh, uh, what he thought, and he uh, he told about this uh, this uh, army engineer they had on the island who said, you know, with a, with a group of uh, 30 people, I can do this in, uh, in two months. Uh, why so deep? Uh, maybe symbology. If, uh, uh, for example, if you look at the, uh, the pentagram angles, uh, 36, 72, 108, you know, I would look at 36, 72, 108 feet deep. Right. Uh, yeah. Because that could mean something. Uh, you know, there, there, there's different ways uh, uh, to approach. Right. And also, uh, when they got to the 90 foot level, how do they know they went deeper straight down or off to the side? We have no idea. You don't know. But yeah. and, but the island, you know, it's a small island, but, right. uh, you know, it, it, it was uh, uh, heavily wooded. Uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, brush. I think you can easily uh, work there with 30 people uh, without anyone noticing. Uh, you know, if you solve the problem of, uh, you know, you have to get to the island and maybe make a fire uh, uh, to cook and stuff like that. But if you can find ways around that, you know, there's no reason why you could do secretive uh, stuff there. Um, and also, you know, it, it, it's, it wasn't exactly uh, a heavily populated area. Um, so it wouldn't be so hard to, to hide something there. It's not exactly uh, accessible. Yep, let me see this one here, Facebook user. Yeah, there was a brick-making facility. It showed on one uh, one little map, but they never talked about that anyways, and we don't know if they used blue clay there. And that was much later. That's like 1890s. Yeah, 
Yep. Let's see. Do they know how many ships came to Oak Island? No, I don't. Not too many. I think everything they did had to fit in one ship. Let me see here. Let me look over here. I got to look at multiple screens here. Sorry, guys. You're a multitasker, John. Oh, God. Jeff. In fact, uh, Corin, you're doing like Jeff's job. <laughs> I love it. Whoever the treasure did pull it all in their eggs. Yeah. Everybody agrees that they didn't put the treasure all in one spot. Whatever it was, they had to have multiple things here and there. You don't put all your eggs in one basket, especially if you want to go back and retrieve it, you know, and um, go on with a new um, new place. There's, there's, also, there's also a possibility that it was in one place that they took it out to, to make it safer. And when that didn't work, they had to come back and uh, hide it deeper. All right. What about this here on the wall? Let's see here. And that could explain some of the timings. So if you, and I'm, uh, this is wild uh, theory here, but suppose, suppose, suppose. Right. Some, someone came from Europe in the 13th century or the 14th century. Right. And they put something in the swamp, which would match up with Ian Spooner's datings from uh, season seven. Right. Um, you know, at some stage they could have taken it out and then, you know, put it in a money pit around, uh, let's say, uh, 70, end of the 17th, early 18th century. Bury it deeper. Same spot, better protected. Take the levels out. And go from there. I wish we had these answers. I swear to God, I wish we had some answers now. <laughs> You're not the only one. Well, what about this one in the prison here? I want to show this picture in the prison there. The menorah oh, in the prison. And dome, yeah. yeah. What did you guys think of all those uh, etchings and things like that at the at dome? What was your impression on that? Go ahead. Whatever they wrote there was incredibly important. Apparently they scratched it in with their own fingernails. Yeah, they used their teeth and their fingernails. Mm -hmm. So there was a group of, I think, I don't know, I think it was a group of 70, 70 uh, Templars uh, um, imprisoned in that guardhouse who were all left uh, to rot uh, there. And I think the last one died after something like 11 years. So whatever they put on that wall, you know, must have meant uh, a lot. Right, so they weren't like, I know there were prisoners, but I've heard some theories that these prisoners had not relatives, but the people that were guarding them, they knew they knew them or they knew their family, and some would get utensils to eat and stuff. So is it possible that, you know, they didn't use, because I asked, I said, what did they do, do this with their teeth and and fingernails? And they came up with something that, you know, the prisoners and the guards were very friendly, and they had utensils at the time. I don't know how they knew they had utensils. I'm just saying what they told me. The tooth and the fingernail is the story that they tell you when you're in Dom. 
Okay. Uh, but it's possible they had utensils. I mean, uh, of course, they knew uh, people in the area because all 70 of them uh, came out of the area. Right. That's what I'm saying. Uh, so the guards, maybe they would know them like through family. Yeah, true. Yeah, you it's know? possible. It's possible. Because that was the first thing I asked. Oh, my God, the tooth came out and they're, they're you know, doing carvings uh, before they're <laughs> passing away and their fingernails. Yeah. Was, oh, my yeah. God. It's a bit gruesome, huh? Yes. But like you're saying, they do something like that. They're leaving a message. They're, you know, you got to look into that real deep. Yeah. 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 And, and then when uh, Gary found the cross uh, on Smith's Cove, that it looks exactly like the one they carved into the wall. Yeah. No, I don't. Uh, yeah. And I don't know if the cross was left there because of a blessing after, say, the Templars that one of the treasures, you say, my own opinion, did they leave the cross on the beach as a blessing and then leave? Did somebody just drop it? If you had something like that, you know, you would look for it. Uh, maybe it dropped off a chain. But with the square hole on the top of the cross, I would say that was almost nailed to the wall. Or I don't know if they just made square holes and put a rope through that square hole in the top. But the square hole reminds me of square nails that they used at the time, mm-hmm. like, a, like a square peg or whatever you want to call it. It yeah, was like, like, like it was nailed to the mass or was nailed to your, well, they didn't make no cabins there, the Templars, if it was them. So do you think this was almost like a blessing that they just put it on the beach? took it off, put it on the beach as a blessing after they deposited whatever they had and then left? What do you think of that theory from me? I think the logical explanation is that someone lost it, given the size. So I think uh, necklace and someone lost it, dropped it off the boat. Uh, Off a scuttle scuttle boat or something from the main ship, getting into the other smaller... Yeah. Maybe something like that. But if you, it's the likeness is uncanny. You know, we, we've seen the cross uh, in the museum uh, yeah. on, uh, on Oak Island. It's it's not even a likeness. It's identical. It's really identical. Mm-hmm. Well, what, is the, look, uh, what does the back look like? What is the back? We never see the back of the cross. Is the back of the cross just a solid uh, piece of lead both ways? Or what did you see on the back of the cross? It's not completely solid. It's, it actually looks like the eye has been uh, made on top of it, like it's a tau cross, just like you know the, the, the standing arm and then a short arm and then right. with an eye on top of it. And in the back, you can clearly see an indentation uh, uh, where that eye is, as if it, uh, uh, that's something uh, uh, intentional in the mold or, uh, uh, or connected uh, later. Right. Unbelievable. And also, if you look at this wall, John, if you look at the yeah. the figure uh, to the to the top right of the cross, yep, you might see uh, some similarities uh, with the picture uh, uh, with the aerial uh, picture that was shown uh, in the season eight uh, premiere. It sure does. It sure does. It sure does. If we laid that, oh, yep, that's why I saw it don't. before. Unbelievable. We don't think that's coincidence. No way. No way. Just too many things. Just too many things. Does anybody have any more questions or any calls from the members? We'll start buttoning it up. Uh, The carved cross looks more like a person to me. 
It does look like a little figure, true. Yeah, it looks like a little, like a stick figure, yeah. Yeah, a little Jesus. There's Unbelievable. A foot on it. Unbelievable. Well, guys, I want to thank you so, so much for coming on. Thanks for having us. You're all, Thank you so much, man. It's been you're fun. A, you're a ton of knowledge. I mean, there's a lot for me to uh, absorb from tonight. And it was fantastic. Uh, I appreciate it. I hope you guys come back, like Jeff says, once we get into the season eight and you can talk more about what's going on. I would, and my members would love for you guys to come back on. It's, it's, uh, it's going to be, yeah, it's mind blowing. This, uh, the stuff we found and, uh, that we, uh, presented on the island is, is, is absolutely mind blowing. Right. We and, all agree. We, we all agree there. It's just right. almost you, unimaginable. Yeah. But you guys don't really know what parts or whatever they're going to show yet until we see it on TV ourselves. Right. True. True. So what you true. see, what you see is what we're going to be seeing at the same time of what they take from your, all yes. your years of hard work. First time. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was quite shocked uh, to see uh, that aerial photo uh, in the you know in the first trailer. Yeah, I thought they might save that for a bit later. Yeah. <laughs> but, yep. Everybody's uh, everybody's uh, thanking you. All the members, all the names there are all thanking you for being being on. Linda, thanks you for being on. I thank you for being on. And guys, I thank you. It was great. With all the pleasure in the world. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Take care. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Okay, guys. Very good. We'll have a lot of things to talk about uh, after the show Tuesday. Um, I'll have screenshots of the show Tuesday. We'll have a great time this next Tuesday night. We finally made it. Again, thank you, all members that stuck with me, and Jeff and Linda, now Judy, in the offseason. We made it. And I appreciate these guys coming into the last live show, into season eight, the guys that were on season seven and are going to be on season eight. How cool is that? I'm over the moon. I love it. I love it. All right. So I'm going to log off uh, live, and then we'll get right back to the guys after in private. Thank you so much. Good night, everybody. I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs>